Welcome to Emirates Podcast, episode number 82. This is your host, Suman Silwal. Dig down deep and think about what you think might be a, a completely unobtainable goal and do it. <laughs> Visit Emirates.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes, links to our social media channels, get race photos, and much more. I'd like to welcome Irene Chuals to Emron's podcast. Irene is from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, I met Irene up in uh, Chattanooga running Seven Bridges. Uh, Irene, how are you doing today? I'm good. How about you? Uh, I'm doing good. Have you recovered from the Seven Bridges Marathon? <laughs> I have. Thank you. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, feeling pretty good, stretched out. Yeah. What about you? It's a recovery process for me to mm-hmm. back-to-back weekends uh, marathoning, and now I'm getting ready for 100 miles. It was uh, great seeing you at Chattanooga. Um, yeah, I, every time I saw you, you were stopping taping yourself, I think. And then uh, <laughs> I think I saw you twice at, uh, during the marathon. You're trying to set some Guinness World Record. Yes, a Guinness World Record. So till I, I saw you making that turn and the last turn, that's the that's the first time I actually saw you running. It was pretty pretty scary for me. <laughs> <laughs> but before we uh, go deep on this, but you are the first person I actually have ever seen try to break that record because I have always heard about it. People doing it, I always thought those people was crazy people. <laughs> but you looked very normal, so for me. <laughs> so, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> before we go forward uh, in this interview, uh, just tell us about how did you. Uh, started all this running journey before you decided to take this big adventure? So my running journey actually started about three years ago. Um, I actually used to be a professional ballroom dancer. So I was a dancer for five years and I would, um, you know, wear heels and, and work full days, eight, 10, 12 hour days on my feet. But then I ended up retiring from dancing and my roommate at the time volunteered mostly voluntold <laughs> us that we were going to be helping out at the finishers line for the Chattanooga Ironman for the full Ironman that came to town um, a few years ago. And at that point, I didn't know anything about running. I didn't own a single pair of tennis shoes. I didn't know what an Ironman was. I didn't know it was a triathlon, you know, swimming, biking, running. I had no idea. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a weightlifting competition. I thought, oh, okay, you know, that's cool. I don't really understand why there's a finish line, but okay, sure, I'll go volunteer with you. <laughs> so during the event, uh, we actually volunteered for six hours right at the finish line, helping catch people, helping give medals. Uh, we helped with the timing team. So we just wrote the bib numbers as people came across and finished. And I've never experienced anything like I have at that finish line in my life. It was so energetic and magnetic. And those strong athletes were probably double my age. So here I am thinking, you know, man, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) I need to start running. I need to, you know, swim, bike and run. I can do this. If they can do that, I can do that. So that kind of inspired me. And I had never run in my life other than, you know, the one mile you have to run in gym class in high school. But I was always the slowest because I never really pushed myself. So the next day after the race, I actually ran just to see how far I could run. And I ran five miles. So slowly, but but I, I was pretty proud of myself. So I thought, huh, maybe I can get into this, this running stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And what, what happened after that? Since the day after the race, there was actually a half marathon coming up 
maybe a month or so later. And I thought, hey, you know, I want to try this, this half marathon thing. (laughs) (laughs) I want to get a medal. (laughs) Um, And that was actually the four bridges. So three years ago, I ran the half marathon of the marathon where I met you um, this past Sunday. But I ran that and completed it. And then I just completely caught the bug since. So since then, I've run at least 10, maybe 15 half marathons. I've done three half Ironmans all in Chattanooga. So the 70.3 distance. As of Sunday, I've run three marathons. So I love it. I love it. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, sounds like a running bug has caught you uh, pretty hard. Yeah. And, and, yes. and then you didn't look back uh, since then. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Tell us about uh, what was the reason for you wanted to go like a marathon? I guess it's just a continuous progression from half to full. Is that what, why you wanted to do it? Yep, exactly. And when I did the half Ironman, you know, I, I completed that and I was just completely in love with the whole triathlon scene and, and Ironman as a whole. And so I I was thinking, you know, there might possibly be a full Ironman in my future, but if so, I should probably run a few marathons just so I know what it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as you were trying to think through th- that time, you never thought that you will actually run the whole marathon in high heels. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your journey and on this running journey. Uh, when did you decide that uh, you wanted to take a ball move? I think this is this is going out <laughs> of the box and thinking through. And when did, when did that happen? Yeah, so that happened a little over a year and a half ago. I was actually reading a running magazine where there was a little blurb about this lady in London who attempted to run a marathon in high heels. Ultimately, she took off her shoes. She finished barefooted, so she was disqualified. Uh, But that really inspired me and, and pushed me to think, hey, you know, with my dancing background and now I'm my running experience, I can kind of put both worlds together and attempt this Guinness World Record. So <laughs> it's been it's been almost a, a about a year and a half in the making. Wow, yeah. It sounds so interesting because, you know, it's just a big undertaking, sounds like. <laughs> Walk us through your journey. Um, so as you are thinking about that, uh, how does this whole process work? So luckily, I know the race director, Jay Nevins, of the Seven Bridges Marathon, and he is absolutely amazing. We actually met the first time I did the half Ironman in Chattanooga. We met on the running course because I'm super friendly and I talk to everyone. And I think that's why I really enjoy racing is because I just get to meet people from all over the country and and hear their story. (laughs) So that's how I met Jay Nevins was actually on the race course of race day. And uh, we, we kept in touch and we ran together some in Chattanooga afterwards. So I knew him being the race director, I would love to support him and his race if I were to even attempt to try a Guinness World Record. And I knew, of course, I wanted to do it in my hometown in Chattanooga and show off how beautiful the city is. And I thought the Seven Bridges course was going to be the perfect race to really show off the city just because we do go over seven different bridges. (laughs) (laughs) And a few of those actually go like, you know, you did it on Sunday, but uh, you go across the river. So you get different views of the city at different points in the race. So that's what I knew. You know, I knew I wanted to do it in Chattanooga. I knew the race. I knew the race director. So my next step was to apply to attempt the Guinness World Record. So in order to do that, you actually have to create a profile online, write what exactly you are trying to do, 
and how you're able to do this. So I talked about how I wanted to show off the city and with my dancing background and now running background, I thought I would be strong enough and my ankles (laughs) would be strong (laughs) enough to attempt this crazy, crazy idea. So once you turn that in, you, you submit it into Guinness and now you have to wait three months just to hear back if they're going to let you attempt or not. So luckily, three months later, I got the green light. They accepted my proposal to try and try and do this this crazy marathon in heels. And from then on, it's been training mode. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had about a year to prepare. So training mode, uh, that was that was the leading question to this. Uh, mm-hmm. So as, as we walk through, uh, listen to your journey of uh, crossing <laughs> that finishing line at Seven Bridges. Tell us about the training mode. You know, as a as a runner, you know, we have a uh, nice shoes, cushion mm-hmm. shoes, and we cushion. Yeah, yeah we we train in you know in a in a perfect environment. You know, some weird. I'm also trail runner so you know i'll go to trails mm-hmm. so you know chattanooga course is mostly very nice and your city is nice and i have run many many times that race uh, seven bridges as well as when i come to your city i run but tell us about uh, how did you train did you use your hills uh, to train or running shoes or mix of both how, how did you how did you do it yeah so that's a good question <laughs> and it definitely luckily i did have a whole year to train because it definitely was a learning experience so when i finally got the go-ahead I just grabbed my favorite pair of heels and said, all right, I'll, I'll just try these, hop on a treadmill and go one mile. <laughs> I didn't have necessarily a, a training plan. I wasn't going by, you know, a marathon, you know, 16 or 18 week. That's pretty standard plan. I just said, hey, you know, I have a year. Let me just try and do one mile in heels on a treadmill and see what that feels like. So I did. It was at a gym. I got some crazy looks and I got some crazy blisters because I was running without socks and I taped my feet a little bit just from my dancing background. I I kind of know where shoes might rub and I more or less guesstimated where these shoes would rub. So I taped some of my toes and I taped some of my ankle, you know, different parts of my ankle and my midfoot where some of the straps would rub and hit. It was very uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) It was that first run uh, was actually really scary because I didn't know how fast I could push myself. But also, I I didn't want to just walk a mile in heels, just walking every day and, and wearing heels throughout the day at work and things. So I knew I wanted to push myself, but I didn't want to push myself too hard to where I was going to fly off the back of a treadmill like you see at the <laughs> see in those those YouTube yeah, videos. Yeah, definitely videos. YouTube video. <laughs> that, so you, you that was my ultimate goal was not to end up on YouTube. So definitely uh, right. uh did you wonder what you got in getting into this uh, where your oh, the yeah. doubt start setting already? Oh yeah, when I finished the the 1 mile, I had blisters all over my feet. It was a terrible sight. And again, you know, I I said I just grabbed my favorite pair of heels. Well, these are closed toe and they had really skinny, they were patent leather (laughs) and they had really skinny little straps. Those cut into my feet and it was just all around a bad idea. But that really made me realize, man, I'm going to have to think really hard about the exact style of shoe that I'm going to be wearing. You know, there's so many different options out there. There's so many different fabrics. 
So I needed something that wasn't going to rub. I needed something that still had some flexibility so I could move and have have a, a good range of motion in my feet, but that would also give me support. And I needed something that my feet throughout the race, I, I knew my feet were going to swell. And so I needed something that could handle that swelling and still allow me to run. So throughout the whole year, I tried open toe, I tried closed toe, I tried different materials. Um, ultimately, I, I ended up settling with, it's almost like a suede leather, <laughs> which I was worried about it being able to breathe. But locally, there were little, almost like vent holes, but little cutouts in the shoe. And so it it was great. Definitely. Um, uh, talk about the shoes. Uh, so, so important part of our running. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. especially uh, for you is an uh, important part of finding that perfect fit. How many pairs of shoes did, did you have to switch in during your training, training cycle to find out uh, what heel really will work for you? Yeah. So I tried six different styles of shoes, which when you think about it really isn't that much. But when I kept buying heels and they weren't working and nothing was, you know, going going right, I, I really a lot of doubt was setting in. I thought, man, you know, am I even going to be able to do this? Can I find a heel that's going to allow me to do this without breaking or, or killing my feet? But yeah, so about six pairs until I finally found this pair. And actually, I found this pair um, about two months maybe a little less than that before the race. So it was really, really down to the wire. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, that's uh, So as you train on, on this, uh, how many miles uh, uh, did you run during this time uh, for, to train for using mm-hmm. the heels, specifically heels? I'm, I'm sure you ran using the regular shoes, but... There's right, a- I did. And at first, so the beginning of this year, uh, during the colder months, I was doing mostly all of my training runs inside on treadmills. And I did all of my training runs in heels. So I would do like a two mile on, you know, for example, this is the beginning of the, of the training. I do like a two mile and then a day later I do like a three mile. And then after that I do like a five mile and then I do a longer run on the weekends. After a few weeks of that, my feet were screaming. (laughs) I was getting a lot of bruising on the tops of my feet. And I was honestly afraid I was really going down a bad path of possibly getting a stress fracture or a compound fracture or something. So I went to a podiatrist, she checked me out. And it's the wildest thing because it turns out so she she took my blood to a test. And apparently I have a vitamin D deficiency, which explained a lot of my bone pain and uh, bruising and things like that. So she advised me to start taking vitamin D, which I guess helps strengthen your bones. And I don't know, I'm not in the medical field, (laughs) but (laughs) that's interesting. It worked. It worked. And so, so I take vitamin D every day. And she also suggested to not run every run in heels but just do a normal training plan in my go-to tennis shoes and then throw in the heels every once in a while. And it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely so, worked. Yeah. yeah. As we move forward, uh, give us uh, your your race day experience. Like I said earlier, I, every time I saw you, you're uh, stopping and taping. And, <laughs> and, and also you had two people with you. Kind of walk us through that, the whole experience and the race day. 
Yeah, so race day was an exciting day. Luckily, the weather was great, and so that put me in a good mood as I woke up and got ready for the day. Um, I didn't even know what I was going to wear until the day before because I, I was really waiting on the weather to see what it was going to feel like. Um, I know in, in years past, it's been freezing, freezing cold, and last year was super hot, so with this time of year, it's just really hard to, to figure out what to wear. But I ultimately, you know, decided on a t-shirt and short and, uh, some calf sleeves and socks. So waking up race day, I actually drove to one of my pacers houses. So we drove together to the race and, uh, we had to park kind of far away. So <laughs> as we were paying for parking, there was a group of runners stretching and they all said, oh my gosh, you're the runner. You're the girl who's going to break this record in heels. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so from that point, I was like, oh man, all I felt, it probably wasn't true, but I felt like all eyes were on me. So <laughs> it really made me, you know, kick into, kick into gear, kind of kick my butt into gear as far as being positive and, <laughs> and no pressure on you to finish that. Yeah. Thing. Right. That might, you know, impact the race or, or me or whatever. So then we, we walked to the, the finish, the start finish line. And there were two news cameras there ready to talk to me. And so that was a little, uh, a little exciting, but also it was, it was hard mentally to, to kind of get in the zone to prepare for what was about to happen. So, <laughs> so I talked to them and, uh, met up with my second pacer. So there actually wasn't a Guinness official there. I just had to have two witnesses and, and two people run with me. So those were uh, the people who you saw. One was Susanna Kirby, the other Zach Coward. And uh, both of those guys, we did Ragnar, a Ragnar relay race last weekend together. And we train and run all the time together. So I knew uh, they'd be able to push me to finish. <laughs> Yeah, race day. I mean, it was dark. It was it was really dark when we started. So that was also something I didn't take into consideration because especially on sidewalk or different uh, things that you're running on, I have to be really careful that my heels don't sink or get stuck in little holes or cracks. So that was kind of hard for the first, uh, I'd say, two miles until the sun started to, to come up. But <laughs> definitely <laughs> that the first bridge. Uh, it's, yes. uh, it's, <laughs> right. It was, it's a graded bridge. And, uh, and honestly, I was really worried about that. And so I thought, you know, in my mind, I was just going to hop over to the to the sidewalk so I wouldn't get stuck or have a heel, you know, slip or anything. But there was no easy way to get to the sidewalk. It, it wasn't open from the road. So you, so really I just kind of tiptoed and I made sure my heels didn't touch the ground and just kind of tiptoed my way. I felt like I was sneaking up on someone. <laughs> <laughs> I think that when I saw you, I was coming down the hill and you were, uh, taping i guess that was a little too early uh, for you to retape <laughs> tell us what happened there sure so that was right at the second mile mark for me and that was the first time i stopped to adjust anything before i started the race obviously i i already had taped my problem areas taped the places where i knew that blisters would pop up so one thing that was happening though is that i was using a metatarsal pad for extra cushioning as well as a super feet insole. So what was happening was the metatarsal pad was slipping out and it 
it was causing it to to come out of the toe of the shoe. And so with every step, it kept pushing that out. So I had to take out the super feet insole because they made my first pair, which were a seven and a half, they made them just a little bit too tight, which was why that pad was pushing out. So I just had to take out the insoles, readjust that pad. Um, Then I ended up putting a little bit more tape on my left foot where I was already starting to get some rubbing and uh, taped up and kept on running. (laughs) So, But that was the hardest part was just keeping up with those metatarsal pads. And I wish I would have just somehow attached them or or taped them to my shoe. I think that would have been a little more effective and because constantly – during the entire race, I was having to check those and make sure they weren't moving. Or at some point, I just pulled them out and ran a few miles with them just in my hand. So <laughs> <laughs> you needed a super glue, glue them or some something yeah. like that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> T- tell us, tell us about uh, running and the high heels. Uh, going. Uh, what is the difficult part? I mean, going up uh, the hill, down the hill, flat. Flat yeah. shouldn't be difficult, correct? No, flats. Uh, really aren't that difficult. And even going up the hill wasn't that difficult. Going down, however, was pretty scary because you have to think if you're wearing high heels, you're already pitched forward a little bit. So you have more of a chance of falling if you're if you're going down a hill. So that's what happened. And actually, as we turned around and started headed to head back towards the downtown area in that downhill spot was where I kept tripping up. Um, The the steep downhill. Yes. (laughs) Right, right on riverfront. Um, So I had to kind of take it pretty slow and almost basically walk down the downhills. Tell us about uh, one of the other thing I was uh, thinking about your heel, high heels. I mean, it's a Mm -hmm. normal, typical high heeler, correct? You're not uh, have some some shoe manufacturer had it cushioned (laughs) on the bottom with the... (laughs) No, it's uh, no, not at all. It's just a normal high heel that I got uh, I got off the shelf. So at you know, just a normal high heel. Nothing was manufactured to to help me, or, <laughs> or you know, no extra cushion was added or, or anything. <laughs> Is that a part of the requirement there? They didn't necessarily say it was. So Guinness actually sends you a full guidebook, and it has bulleted information and and guides to go by. And really, the only guide for the shoe was that it had to be at least 2.75 inches tall. I ended up running in a three and a half inch shoe. Um, and it had to be a true stiletto. So the point, the base of the heel had to be 1.5 centimeters in uh, their, their circumference. So a true stiletto. So as you move forward uh, in the race, mm-hmm. one of the things I was wondering, uh, so did, did you have to switch the shoes? Or you, you, you supposed to stay with the same shoes? How did that work? Yeah, so Guinness actually allows you to switch shoes in and out as long as it, as it has the exact same heel measurement. So I ended up buying six pairs of the exact same shoe and I bought different sizes again to allow for my feet to swell. So I started with size seven and a half and then I bought all the way up to size nine, but I ended up finishing the race in eight and a half. 
So I, I stuck in between that seven and a half to eight and a half range. So you're not yeah. just using only one shoes. <laughs> right. And my thought process was that I was going to change shoes every five miles. So that's why I had six shoes. So yeah. it would help me definitely every five miles I'd be able to switch because I didn't want to run the risk of running a lot of miles on one pair and possibly breaking a heel and possibly injuring myself or <laughs> or others. So that was the plan. But actually, I ran the first six and a half, um, or I might have been at, even at the seven mile mark before I switched into my second pair of shoes. Definitely. Tell us about as you move forward, you know, I saw you as I was coming back, uh, you're probably reaching what, 12, 10, 12, 12 miles, uh, some, yes. somewhere, somewhere around that point. And yeah. uh, the hot was setting in and the, the oh day goodness, was, yes. was, was, and then your hardest part hasn't even started yet. Right. So, so <laughs> tell us about uh, that part of the back end, the Danbury's yeah. uh, area oh and, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> climbing that whole, whole area and the coming down was pretty steep. I loved it. It was a little steep this year than we used to come from the other way, but this right. year yeah. steep mm-hmm. down. So tell us about uh, the whole, whole coming off that last, uh, we call a sixth bridge. It used to be sixth grade. I think this time is fifth. So yeah, I think so. Yeah. So so after that that seventh mile, I changed to my new pair of shoes, and then I think the next time I saw you at right where you're talking about, right at that 12 mile mark, that's where I switched into a second or no, my third pair by then. Uh, but what I was doing was I was actually this is this is about to get graphic, but I was popping and draining not really popping, just draining all the blisters I had accumulated and retaping my feet. So that was the first time in the race that I was able to actually drain my blisters and then retape and and set off again. <laughs> so so I made it 12 miles, which I'm pretty proud of, and uh, and I had all the medical supplies with me. So I drained them, retaped them. I had three different kinds of tape. I had almost like a foamy, sticky, real cushion tape, which I used on my big toes because that's where I'm. I was building up most of my blister was on my on the bottom of my big toe. I did that and uh, put on some new socks. I made sure I brought four different pairs of socks, which was good because I did have one blister that was bleeding pretty heavily. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I changed uh, changed socks, got back going, and uh, finally I I reached the dam. But before I reached the dam, there was actually a police officer. And it was on that road, so you go straight, and you're basically parallel to the dam, and then you have to do a loop that turns you back around to go up over the dam. So at that point, this police officer came up right behind us with his lights on and said, you guys have to get to the dam by 11 o'clock, or I'm going to have to pull you off the course. (laughs) And I had talked to Jay, the race director. He knew, obviously, that I was doing this, and he never said once that I had any sort of checkpoints or time limits to get to any location. And so that really fueled my fire because there was not any way that I was going to get in the back of his car if I wasn't to the dam by 11 o'clock. Wow. <laughs> so I ran those next, I, I think it was maybe about a mile, maybe two miles or so, but I ran that in my mind, so fast, you know, it's, it, it probably wasn't fast, but as fast as you could run in heels, I was running but because I was fueled by this guy just following us 
with his lights saying that I had to get here by a certain, certain time. So, <laughs> wow. wow. so that was, um, that was unexpected and it, it really kind of threw me off because I'm thinking, you know, man, I've, I've really, I, I thought I set this up and I don't know how I could have missed this. Maybe I should have pushed a little harder in the beginning. You know, I, I had everything just running through my mind. But luckily, my pacers just kept saying, you know, just get to the dam. You can do it. Just go as fast as you can. Don't worry about this guy behind us. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out this guy, this this police officer ended up staying behind us the entire rest of my race. He was amazing. And at first, I thought he was just, you know, kind of being rude and um, was upset that, you know, the, the race was maybe going on longer than who knows, maybe the permits permitted or, or whatever. I didn't know. But he actually was following me in case I hurt myself and he would be able to provide, uh, you know, he'd be the, the first responder on scene. So he, <laughs> he really just followed me out of, I guess, the kindness of his heart. So that was that was pretty unexpected. That was cool. But really, um, it, it really made me push across to the dam and then up over the dam as fast as I could. And uh, that was pretty fun. <laughs> that was a pretty unique view, too, because, you know, you just drive across the dam. I think the speed limit's like 55 over there. So as you're driving, you're not really looking off the side. So that was really cool. It was a, a, a different vantage point from what I've seen in Chattanooga before. Definitely. Pretty cool experience. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, this was this was my sixth time running uh, Seven Bridges, and when I came okay. from the opposite direction, I was like, mm -hmm. this will look different, because I never yeah. never looked a, a right in this time, and I was like, it, that, that, like you said, the view was different. I always came from the opposite direction. I'm always looking forward, but that was an interesting view. So around that time, I think that's the area when we all, most of us figure out the course is getting longer, too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. So I actually didn't figure out that the course was long until the course's 19th mile because my watch said 20 miles. So I started my watch a little, just a little bit before I started or I, I passed over the line. But yeah, so I, I screamed 20 because that was one of one of the big milestones. If I was going to reach 20, I definitely was going to finish the race because Anyone can run, you know, 6.2 more miles. <laughs> so that was a really, really big, big milestone for me that I was really excited to hit. And so when my watch said 20 and the sign said 19, I started to figure out, oh man, something is wrong. So... So you, you, yes. you, regardless, you, you decided to keep on going. Of course I did. For a moment though, I definitely, I was looking at my time and, you know, the Guinness World Record stated one of my rules to attempt this was that I had to be finished by seven and a half hours. If I was any longer or any slower than seven and a half hours, my attempt wouldn't count. So that was my main goal was to get to the to the finish line by seven and a half hours. And now in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I have to run. And again, in my mind, it's not, it wasn't completely true or accurate, but I thought I was going to have to run a, an extra full mile and get there within seven and a half hours. And I thought, there's no way I tried to do the math in my head. And I just, I, I was so defeated mentally at that point. I actually started to cry and kind of screamed a little bit. <laughs> but my pacer said, just do what you can. You've made it this far. You can't just give up. You have to finish. No matter if you're 
five minutes after your time limit, you have to finish this. You can do six miles because we were going to have to get back there anyway. So <laughs> might, as well, way, might as well go ahead and run yeah. it. <laughs> the fastest way was to, to finish the course. So, but luckily Jay Nevins, the race director and some of his timing team, obviously they realized as people were starting to come in, uh, that the course was was inaccurately measured, but they brought their timing tools and found the exact 26.2 mile marker for me and brought it to that 26.2 spot and they were able to get my accurate time. So definitely, I still can't believe they did that, that they, you know, thought of one person out of the entire race, because there's other people, you know, they're trying to qualify for Boston and this and that. And, you know, for them to, to, to really go above and beyond, I, I can't thank them enough. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely, uh, they have worked hard enough to get this race the way right. it is and you know things mm-hmm. things just happen now that's right. a, that's a different podcast let's let's focus <laughs> on the your journey uh, as mm-hmm. you as you got uh, closer to the city and then uh, your seventh bridge tell us yes. about your experience uh, your feeling i mean you have gone through a lot of ups and downs up to that point sounds like right uh, you know so, w- w- right, before right before, around the the 20 mile mark was when my hips really started to hurt a lot with every step. <laughs> so it wasn't necessarily my feet at this point, but it was my joint, my hip, and then my lower back started to really hurt. So at this point, I <laughs> I started running completely bending over. So my body was almost in a, a 90 degree angle. And, you know, I ran like that for a little bit. And then I, I did some, some sumo running <laughs> where my legs were really bent. And I was kind of like, you know, stepping out as, as far as I could, but, but also keeping my legs bent so I wasn't overextending my hips, if that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, but yeah, that was really the the most painful part. And, um, I probably cried for a good four miles straight. It was not pretty (laughs) at all, but my pacers, they, they stuck with me. And, uh, one way they kept motivating me to, to keep pushing forward and to keep digging in deep is uh, that they would go on Facebook Live. So my my pacers would turn on their Facebook and say, okay, we're at this point in the race. <laughs> you know, cheer her on. Come out and go to the finish line, and we can't wait to see you. Or, you know, so, so they really motivated me because, of course, you know, with Facebook Live, there were other people other than my two pacers looking at me. And, and I know a lot of people were, were following my journey. So I couldn't, I just couldn't let them down. But also I, I'm a little prideful and I wanted to look my best. So I would just <laughs> suck it up, stand up, run as, as fast <laughs> as I could to, so, to make it happen. <laughs> so t- tell us about you. You went through this, uh, like I said, you came, you were at the seventh bridge. Finally, you, you, you saw the race director. You, yes. you, you crossed that finish line. <laughs> tell us your emotion. So, so at that point and, and leading up to that, I had I still had no idea that the race was was still technically long. I thought, you know, maybe there's a chance that the, the signs are off or something. But at that point, after we we went up one of the steepest hills on the course and then took a left hand turn and that was just super, super close to Walnut Bridge. So it was at that point where they said, OK, You've got two minutes, Irene, you have two minutes to get the record. You need to 
dig in deep and run as fast as you can because you don't want to miss it. Like you need to giddy up. You need to, (laughs) you need to go now. (laughs) So I was running as fast as I could again. It was probably a 13 minute mile or 12 minute mile, (laughs) but in heels, just physically as fast as I could pick up my feet and put them down and, and move forward. Um, then I saw, you know, I saw Jay, I saw the crowd, I saw some people I worked with. They were there. Uh, I had some friends there and family. So all of them just started cheering as loud as they could. And that feeling just to see, (laughs) to see the finish line, to see that I was almost done, to see that I was so, so close to my goal and I still needed to push as hard as I could. It was amazing. And then as soon as he, as soon as I came across the, the, part. Uh, My friend Adam, who actually was on the timing team, he gunned me. So he scanned my bib and he said, got her. He yelled, got her out loud. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just pure relief, (laughs) I think was what I was feeling was just relief (laughs) and excitement. (laughs) Definitely. uh, Sounds like you had that long journey um, on what, seven hours and 28 minutes. I think that's 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 the quarter. So the official official time was seven hours, 27 minutes and 53 seconds. Definitely. All the listeners, if you want to break that record, there is your record. for. Yes. (laughs) Please try. I'll come and cheer you on. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Tell us about um, through your process of going through such an emotional year and a half of your journey. Tell us about what did you learn about yourself, about about everybody else. You know, there's a lot to talk about there, but let's just. Sure. So. What I learned about myself is as, as cheesy and as redundant as it sounds, your mind is so much stronger than your body. So for me, you know, mentally, that was, that was the main thing was just to get mentally prepared for this, this race that I was about to be <laughs> undergoing. And I was trying to focus on, oh, I'm not wearing heels for this race. I'm just wearing tennis shoes. I'm doing exactly what everyone else is doing and I need to keep up with them. <laughs> <laughs> so mentally, you know, your your brain can really trick the rest of your body into doing whatever you set your mind to. But also I'm pretty stubborn. So I knew I wasn't going to go down without a fight. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, yeah, just learning that about myself is and and other people, you know, really just, just set goals and, and go after them. Even if you can't fathom being able to do that, find a way, work your, your, work your way up, work yourself up, prepare for it. And, uh, where there's a will, there's a way for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And you have proved that. Yeah. It took you a year and a half, a lot of doubts and a lot of dark moments, I guess. Uh, right. Those, <laughs> <laughs> Trials and tribulations for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and is, then uh, what I learned about other people really is what you do as an individual, it really does impact other people. I've had so many people just throughout my year and a half training and preparing for this, so many people, I would be out at a restaurant or, you know, different places around town and they would come up to me, Hey, how's your training? Are you, are you excited? Are you getting ready? Do you feel good? You know, what are you worried about? And they're just so kind of in, in a trance or, or really, really excited for me to try. 
So really, you know, your actions just from one person, you yourself might not think you're making a difference or people care or (laughs) you're not impacting or inspiring others, but you really are. Definitely, definitely. People, (laughs) that's that's what I learn about in the whole journey, my own journey. That's that's what I Mm -hmm. try to involve people and they they see what I'm doing. You know, a lot of things we do, it's endurance events. They're not easy, you know, easy to even the 100 miles, the thing I'm about to do, uh, usually I say 100 miles is not even mine and mind and body. It's more heart mm-hmm. takes over. Once you have got a heart on it, uh, you, you will do it or whatever. I think that's what you had too because you, sure, you, knew, yeah. that, you knew that you were you will do it. Tell us about uh, when when you had this dark moment and then you, you had all the <laughs> doubts. What was the one thing helped you to get out of it? Even erase it? Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it, it was my pacers. It was my friends. It was all the people that I knew, you know, my family members, everyone that I knew um, who were following this journey. I just honestly didn't want to let them down. So it was the people. <laughs> <laughs> so as you move forward, uh, so your recovery is going well as you move forward. Yes. Uh, yes. Any any medical problem after this week? Uh, this week, uh, I saw you in, in no. the post that you actually went to work next day. and I did. I did. <laughs> But luckily, I work from home, so <laughs> that worked. I didn't out. have to go very far. <laughs> <laughs> that worked out well. So right. tell us, uh, tell us about uh, as you move forward and uh, such a you achieved such a big goal. It's your third marathon, and mm-hmm. you have done such a it's a great uh, achievement yourself and a lot of us who Thank followed you. follow you. Are so proud of uh, you, whatever you have done. Tell us about what is the bold move, your bold goal you have next. Do you have you start thinking about that? Or <laughs> Are giving yourself yes. a break for a little bit. Yes. So everyone is asking me what my next thing that I'm going to be doing is and if it involves heels or if it's an athletic goal or what. So I honestly, I'm I'm not sure. Um, I've started to play around with the idea of possibly going back to school to obtain my MBA. So that would be a huge feet. That would be a huge thing to tackle. And it's kind of the, the same time period, you know, your your typical MBA program takes about two years. So I don't know, that might be my the next goal on my horizons. Um, I also toyed around and, and played around with the idea of maybe going into some sort of um, bodybuilding <laughs> competition. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No, that, I'm not I, sure. I think the best answer here is probably you just want to enjoy the moment and uh, sure. <laughs> take off your heel and, and grab your running shoes, maybe go go run some miles. So. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Irene, we talked so much about uh, many, many aspects of your running. Uh, you have inspired um, not only me, but so many other people uh, who, who followed your journey and listened and uh, saw you finishing. And it's just amazing for me to, you know, my daughter was so excited to see you finishing (laughs) see and uh, this is not the everyday thing we we get to do and before we close our interview can you uh, give us a word of advice to all the listeners who are listening trying to uh, take their running running journey and beyond imaginable things and set some records Mm -hmm. and do do bold moves give some word of advice yeah so my word of advice is is exactly what you said just really you know dig down deep and and think about what you think might be a, a completely unobtainable goal and do it. <laughs> Set that completely unimaginable thing as your goal and work for it. Because I guarantee with your mental strength and 
preparation, you'll surprise yourself. So really go after those goals. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think I need to go after many, many, many of my <laughs> goals to not set the old record, maybe just personal records or, or do some yes. some crazy yes. stuff. So. Definitely, uh, yeah, definitely. Thanks, uh, thanks for your time. Uh, before yeah. we close our interview, do you wanted to tell our audience where where you can find a little bit more about your journey? Sure. So I do have an Instagram page. It's High Heels for Guinness. If anyone wants to follow me, we'll keep following you. Uh, we we're Great. looking forward to hear uh, many many uh, achievements you will do as you go forward. And thanks for your time. Yes, thank you. I definitely appreciate it. If you have a need to cover your event from marketing to taking photos please contact mruns.com by emailing at marathonruns at gmail.com thanks for listening to another episode of mruns podcast please subscribe to our podcast channel voice of runners at itunes stitcher radio google play and more and also follow our social media channel marathon runs on instagram facebook twitter and youtube